Give words to speak, ears to hear, and a spirit that inclines thy will. Into thee we put our trust, so must concede thy will be done, not mine. Into thine hands we commit ourselves and put our trust in thee. This morning, for a study, brief study in the Word of God, I would like to start with several pieces that I've uh, found. One of them is, and I think the main topic that I'd like to talk about is how the Spirit comes. We're looking for something to happen in our lives all the time. We're looking forward to some event. We're looking forward to a happening. And how does this happening come? And it comes in a material way for us in our daily lives. But what is this, what is this uh, event that is coming? So from the Old um, Testament, we're going to look at the 30th chapter of, of Deuteronomy, starting with the Chapter, verse 11, 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, starting with verse 11. But I first want to start with these two uh, pieces that I have. <clears throat> this is what was, this is looking forward to. A group of 500 Nigerian Muslim background Christians who gathered together safely during the string of Boko Haram attacks were later attacked again by the Islamic militant group. Most escape apart from 76 men, women, and children who were taken captive according to a Barnabas Fund contact. The 76 were taken to a Boko Haram terrorist camp group where they were tortured. The four male leaders of the group were told at gunpoint to renounce their faith in Christ and revert to Islam. When they refused, Holding fast to their savior, the men were shot in front of their family and friends. The following week, the wives of the four martyred children, uh, martyred men rather, were also ordered to renounce their faith or their children would be executed. As the mothers struggled under this terrible burden into the night, the children came running and said that the Lord had appeared to them all and all would be well. According to the account, the Lord Jesus had appeared to all of the group and told them not to fear, that he would protect them, that they, uh, that they should not renounce him, but stay strong, knowing he is the way, the truth, and the life. The next morning, one, one of the children, a girl as young as four, were lined up against the wall by the terrorists, and their four mothers were told that they could save them if they renounced Christ and returned to Islam. The mothers refused. The soldiers cocked their rifles and prepared to take aim, then suddenly started to grab at their heads, screaming and shouting, snakes, snakes. Some ran away and, other, and others dropped dead where they stood. As one of the soldiers fell down dead, a Christian captive reached down to pick up the soldier's gun to fire at the fleeing Boko Haram militants. But the youngest child put her hand on his arm and said, you don't need to do that. Can you not see the men in white fighting for us? All 72 lives were spared, and the group is now living in other regions of Nigeria that are safe for Christians. 
When our English-speaking contact asked their pastor why Jesus appeared to them and not to others, he replied, He does not need to. You have over 200 versions of the Bible. And many people able to explain the Bible to you, these people do not. So it's a matter of faith. The other thing I want to talk about in terms of how faith comes is through epiphany. What is an epiphany? Well, epiphany comes from uh, a translated word means to become aware or to reveal something. In order to know something, one must have previous knowledge or experience. The expectation of our Savior was given long before the actual birth of the king. We have recorded words in history that tell us of this event. So what makes us aware? We know things. Somehow we are aware of what is around us. It seems that to gain an understanding of an epiphany that it becomes, that it comes out of the invisible. For example, when we listen to some religious radio program, we might hear a person that says, God talked or told me something. I'm not sure that God speaks audibly to anyone in New Testament times. I believe we hear through the Holy Spirit in the form of an epiphany. We are of a sudden understanding of, a, of the message that it is inspired by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. We live in a world that has so much information that's instant that it is impossible to be aware of everything that's happening around us. The information that we are hit with every day comes from a multiple or multitude of sources. So many that we have no idea of their validity. So how are we able to believe anything? We should research the sources to find their, we could research their sources to find their origin, or we could check the writer as to his or her credentials. But ultimately it comes to whether we believe it or not. Think, though, of how it was in the days of Jesus. Information was surely available, and that information came entirely by word of mouth. Even the prophets heard from God as he saw fit to speak into their lives. The word was spoken to a scribe who knew letters and was able to put on some material these letters to preserve them. Thus, words we have recorded, or the words we have recorded in the Bible, now come from ancient times. Another way was of telling these words in repeat to others. So we have words that tell us about things, happenings thousands of years ago. How then did we come to know about the redemptive story of our triune God? How was it that the repeating of this story or history comes to us and we believe it? There are, from times of Moses, a recorded event that make this history known, but can we trust it? What is it about that story that is compelling? I believe that in our desperate selves, we are searching for something that is a comfort to that desperate self. So we hear and have the option or choice to embrace it as truth or to reject it. What would make us reject the story? What kind of hindrances are there that stops the mind from believing the ancient words handed down? 
The epiphany talked about here is the coming of the Magi, who traveled some distance to come and see what the stars showed them. This seems hard to understand because we haven't heard the story. This story is how these wise men learn from their study of the formation of the stars an epiphany, the awareness of something special. Who was this something special? The wise men traveled some distance to come and check the information about its, as to its truthfulness. What did they find? They found a small child whom, the, whom we are told they worshiped. They came in their understanding of an epiphany. These wise men, being from far off countries, to see this child were not told of their nationality as Jewish, so it is assumed they, were, they are not. Therefore, they came as Gentiles. The first Gentiles to worship the Savior. Now the question is, do we, you and I, do we know and believe this, the story? Skeptics make their cases and have personal reasons to speak against these events. We can research these arguments and to know if the information is in fact or if we can accept or reject the information as to whether it's true or not. What do we believe? The secular world seems to as sees this as a part of marketing a season for giving. Why is this significant? Perhaps in worldly ignorance, one who knows are yet faithless, yet see this as a part, as a ritual, celebrated as an annual event, then this is in, in fact that those people are without the epiphany, using what they know to make something for themselves. They actually are giving credibility to the historical spirit account of their ignorance. God works through everything for his glory. So if we look now to the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, Moses is about ready to um, give his authority over to Joshua. And <clears throat> because Moses cannot go into the promised land, right? He was told by God that he would not enter the promised land. So what is he telling these people on basically like the eve of their going in across the Jordan into um, the land, the chosen land, land of Canaan? So let's look at verse 11. This command I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that we have to ask who will go up to heaven and get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it is not across the sea that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. So Moses is telling the people that they're aware of this. This is their epiphany. This is how they come to know that there is something, a promise that they were actually told would happen, and it is coming true. This, was, this happens in a way to all people. Even the laws of nature tell us that we need to be kind and we need to be 
um, considerate of others. We shouldn't really take advantage of others. And this is, can be done in total unbelief. But what happens when a person sees this through the eyes of the Spirit? So let's look at these words as believers to see how they fit. But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I am commanding you today that to, that the love, to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and statutes and ordinances so that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God may bless you in the land which you are entering to possess. So we can look at this two ways. This is a very literal uh, happening that's going on for the people that were the, the children of those who perished in the wilderness, those two who were disobedient to God during that time. So those folks did not get to go into the promised land, but the descendants of those who were the children that came out of Egypt were allowed to go into the promised land. And Moses is telling them that this is how they can preserve their life of freedom. What is he saying? He's saying, but the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. What does that mean? That means, like we said about the epiphany in the reading, saying that these people were not literate. These people had to listen to spoken word. The spoken word that came to them that was through their understanding of the language that they spoke was given to them in a way that they would be able to understand the word, the physical or whatever you want to call it, the actual word. But how did they take it into their heart? They had to have an epiphany. They had to have an understanding that the Lord, their God, was going to do what? For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, walk, to walk in his ways and to keep his statute, commands and statutes and ordinance that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Now we see this Old Testament period as the, test, as the period of the law. But actually what's what is happening here fits perfectly into the life of a believer also. Because when Jesus tells us, when uh, he's questioned, he tells the man who's questioning the lawyer that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, your soul, and what else? And your neighbor as yourself. So when we live this way, we are in fact in this Holy Spirit fulfilling the law of God. The law we know that we cannot keep because we are sin-natured by birth, the law that we are unable to keep because of our corrupt nature, our sinful flesh, and the pressures that the devil puts on us through the world. <clears throat> but if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you, are not, and you are led astray to bow down to other gods and worship them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and you will not live long in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. So this becomes the dire warning. This becomes 
a point of choice. What do you choose? What does the Holy Spirit reveal to you that you can believe, and do you choose it? We all have that same opportunity. We go by mo from moment to moment, sometimes in our persecution through the, through the devil and through what is coming at us, maybe perhaps by even our confessed past sins, where the devil would like to tempt us and, and take us away. But we have to choose something. Do we give in to the devil? Or do we give in to the love that Jesus shows us through his work on the cross, where he sheds his blood, where he gives up his life for us? Because he, he in his humanness, knows what we're going through. And maybe even more so. Because he, in his perfection, when he traveled in the years of his ministry, was accosted by and put upon by hundreds, perhaps even thousands of people who didn't know God, who tried to trip him up, who tried to say that he was, like the Pharisees said the one time, that he is prophesying out of the scripture, but he's the devil. These people, too, had a choice whether to believe or not. <clears throat> then in verse 19 he says, I call on heaven and earth as a witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God and obey him. <clears throat> And remain faithful to him, for he is your life, and he will prolong your life in the land the Lord swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Moses is telling them that even though in the future he won't be present with them, that to make the right choice, so we too have that opportunity to make the right choice, right? So we look at the way that Moses talked to those folks who were his contemporaries, if you will, how they walked together and how they struggled in the wilderness and the things that they had to put up with in the wilderness, which they thought were a hardship, but God was putting them to a test to see, can we make it? In the same way, we could look at our lives if, they, if we have had uh, an abundance, we have, we have been blessed. But even in our hardships, we have to look and see that God is with us and that he will not abandon us. He promises he will never abandon us. So what do we need to look at in our hardships to be able to put in perspective what God really wants for us? What are the lessons that's God, that God is teaching us through this hardship that we're going through that we can put him first and we can choose him and say he is our blessing. He does love us, even though it might be a hard lesson to take. He still is there. We have a friend who now is dying of cancer and uh, she... <clears throat> doesn't have much because she has not been very 
Uh, she's been always considered rather simple. But the thing that she wants most out of her life is to commune with those people who she feels in, as travel companions in this life, as people who are believers, people who trust in God. She would have a lot to lay in bed and think about to be angry with God about. But she's not. She's happy. Because why? Her choice is that she has chosen to live in the glory of Jesus Christ, in the work that he's done on the middle cross of Calvary. So to close this up today, let's go to First um, Peter, to the end of the Bible now, to someone who has traveled with Jesus. <clears throat> and let's look at the fourth chapter of First Peter. And we're going to start with the first verse. And go to the 11th verse. Now Peter is talking to those who were present a number of years, perhaps 50 years, maybe even 60 years after Jesus was born. And perhaps about 30 years after he was crucified in, on the cross. <clears throat> now to continue the words, like if we think about the way Moses was talking to the people in the wilderness, getting ready to cross the Jordan, how does this fit? Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, equip yourselves also with the same resolve. Because the one who suffered in the flesh has finished with sin in order to live remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the pagans choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, lawless idolatry. So they are surprised that you don't plunge into the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, meaning the ones who have passed away so that although they might be judged by men in the fleshly realm, they might live by God in the spiritual realm. Aren't we fortunate? We who have the reasoning ability to, to make this choice, to actually witness the blessings that God has given his children, to be able to say whatever is in this world and in this life is only temporary and what we could, what we need to choose is something that is eternal now the end of all t uh, the end of all things is near so be serious and disciplined for prayer above all maintain an intense love for each other since love covers the multitude of sins 
Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of buried grace, buried grace of God. If anyone speaks, it should be one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So as Peter is talking to these, his com contemporaries, if you will, he's telling them how their life will go. Another choice. You see, the Bible is full of choices. Do you believe it or don't you believe it? Do you believe the Holy Spirit will come to you? Absolutely, because God has said that through Jesus Christ, he said, yet in a little while, I will send you the comforter. And the comforter comes, as we can see, even through the way it was uh, foretold in the, in the Old Testament, that God will be there. He will bless those who stay in his will. No one can force you. No one can make you. Uh, there are people that might try to, to dissuade you. They might try to talk to you, to tell you that you're not believing right. They might tell you that you don't have the right faith. They might tell you all kinds of things, but when the Holy Spirit testifies you to you through His Word, through the Word in the Bible, there is no man that can take away your faith. Do we want to believe that today? And so in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that we have been given through his, the shedding on the middle cross of Calvary, we understand that our sins are forgiven. And once we take that on and confess that for ourselves, we are imparted with this spirit. That's why Jesus can say, and that's why God has said in time past, I will never leave you or forsake you. So yet for a little while, hold fast to that promise because he is coming for us and he will take us home. He has promised. And the one thing we can know from scripture, God does not lie. In Jesus' name, amen.